Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. serve to help us facilitate that communion portion we appreciate that very much if you have your bibles turn with me to acts chapter 27 i'm going to finish out our sermon series that i began uh, today and uh, we're going to finish that out uh, called through the storm and so go ahead and turn with me in your bibles to acts chapter 27 Hallelujah. There's a sweet presence of God in this place today, and uh, we just want to be, we just want to honor Him. Aren't you thankful for the blood that was shed for you at Calvary's cross? Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 27, these are some of the things that we've pulled so far from Acts chapter 27, so I'm going to give you a quick recap, and then I'm going to get into the final part of this message this morning. Uh, Storms happen. We realize that, right? But in those storms, it is never hopeless. If we will take heart, if we will stand on God's word, if we will stay strong in the gap between his promise and his promise fulfillment, and we will anchor ourselves in the rock, God will bring us through the storm. Amen? God will bring us through the storm. And so what we've found so far in Acts chapter 27, previous to where we're going to begin today, Paul and 275 men are on a ship. They are journeying to Rome, and they have been in the midst of a terrible storm. They have been fasting, and and the Lord has spoken to them and said, Stay in the ship, and if you stay in the ship, no one is going to die. The crew has now found land, and uh, they have anchored up in the rocks, and they are just simply waiting for day to come. And so today I want to continue in Acts 27, and I'm going to pick up the story in verse 30. And so let's pray this morning and ask God's blessing as we conclude the series through the storm father thank you today for your grace thank you most of all god for your presence that is in this house i thank you god that you bear witness that we are on the path towards you god and we thank you for that this morning lord i ask that you would open hearts and minds this morning that as we conclude this series lord the things that we have said would take hold the things that we will say will take hold god and they will produce fruit in the lives of your people we thank you for that in jesus name everybody says Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 20 or 27 verse 30. And we're picking up our story there. It says, "And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, "Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved." Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. Take notice here in verse 31, it says, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Paul is talking to the centurion. He's talking to the the guy that's in charge of the situation. And what's happened is they've anchored up in these rocks. Uh, It's starting to get to a point where there's hope now. They can see the glimmer of hope. They have sensed land. They have now found land. They're anchored into that land. And they're just a little ways from the shore. And they're thinking, man, we are so close. I am getting off of this ship. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought, man, I'd like to get off of this ship? <laughs> I want out of this deal. I've had enough 
of this situation. And Paul goes to the centurion and he sees these men and what they're doing is they're pretending that they're just carrying out the anchors a little bit further but their plan was after they got a little bit away from the boat they were going to head for land and they were just going to abandon their shipmates altogether. And Paul says under pretense these guys are doing this and he goes to the centurion and he says look this is what God said. God said unless everybody stays on the ship you can't be saved. Now what he's saying here is, look, these men are making some decisions here that are not only going to affect them, but they're going to affect everybody on the ship. And how many times have we come back to this same old situation in Scripture over and over again where we see that the decisions of a few affect the corporate body? What I do doesn't just affect me, it affects everybody else. And here again in Scripture we see Jesus or God speaking to Paul and speaking through Paul, Paul says, look, here's the deal. God said we all have to stay on the ship if we're all going to be saved. And if these men jump ship, then we're risking our lives in the process. It's not about me. It's not just about my salvation. It's not just about my security. It's not just about me getting through the storm. It's also about everybody else that's on the ship with me doing the same. And so here's what I'm saying to you, church, this morning, is we can't just be concerned about our own salvation. We can't be concerned about our own, our own, only our own well-being. Well, I'm saved. Well, I'm right with God. Well, God's blessing me. Well, God's providing for me. No, no, no. A community of believers works as a community of believers. They, they, they go with each other through the difficulties and they do it together. They stand strong with one another and they do it together. They don't abandon their shipmates because they see a means of escape. We have got to think in terms of the larger whole rather than just ourselves. And so you've got to remember your crew. Some storms are going to require all hands on deck. Is anybody with me? Are you hearing me this morning? Okay, I don't know if you've been lulled to sleep this morning or what, but just, just kind of shake your neighbor and let's just make sure that everybody's pulse is still clicking and, and everybody's awake and everybody's alive. Super Bowl's not till later. Let's do this right now. Some storms are going to require all hands on deck. Some storms that come against a body of believers require everybody to be engaged in the process to overcome. I don't need some people praying. I need everybody praying. I don't need some people tithing. I need everybody tithing. I don't need some people just in this deal trying to make things work. I need everybody on deck working for the kingdom of God. Amen. Remember your crew. It's not just about you. Some storms have to be weathered in a community of believers. Verse 30 tells us that these men are preparing to abandon ship. And so here's what I would say this morning to all of you is this is no time to jump ship. This is no time to abandon your crew. This is no time to, to say I've had it and I see an escape route and I'm taking it and whatever to everybody else. We've come this far, don't bail now, amen? We've come this far through the storm. Let's don't bail on our shipmates now. We've fought too many battles together. We've weathered too many storms together to let the last days of the battle start to tear us apart. I've come through too much to abandon you now. I said, well, wow. I said, I've come through too much to abandon you now. And I would like you to reciprocate that response back to me. Okay, I just want to know that, that you're not going to jump ship on me when I need you. 
But I'm not going to lie, I'm a little nervous. And so here's what I'm saying to you this morning. Here's my point, is that we've got to be all in. Be all in. Be 100% committed to a course. Verse 30 says, And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff, remember the skiff, into the sea under the pretense of putting out anchors from the prow. So remember the skiff. Remember that? That little boat that is the lifeboat, the safety boat, and later they were concerned about that boat and they were anchoring that sucker to the ship that was completely out of control just in hopes of, well, here it is. It finally serves a purpose. We've discovered a purpose. This is why God wanted us to save this boat. So that we could escape and everybody else could just drown by themselves. But here's what I see in the skiff. I see the skiff represents my backup plan. The skiff represents keeping my options open. The skiff represents a self-established way of escape. It's my means by which I, uh, by which I execute self-salvation. It's my way of, of redeeming my own life, saving my own situation, providing for my own means, working out my own situation and making sure that I've got mine and I'm taken care of. It is the essence of selfishness. Who do these men think they are? That they have a right to the skiff and everybody else can just suffer the consequences of the storm and whatever happens to them. Good night. How many of you have seen Titanic? All right, don't raise your hands if you're embarrassed to say that you've seen it. It's okay. But I am amazed. And we went and seen the Titanic Museum in Branson, and it's pretty phenomenal. But these lifeboats would hold up to 60 people in these lifeboats. And do you know that initially what happened is like 10 to 12 people were filling up those lifeboats with their stuff and with their personal items and making people sit on the side of a sinking ship because they were more concerned with their own well-being than the, than the, than the crew? Hundreds and thousands of people, well not hundreds and thousands, but hundreds of people could have been saved had they made room for them in the lifeboats that were already provided. But some people's stuff was more important to them than somebody's life. Boy, that'll preach right there, huh? Sometimes our stuff is much more important to us than people's lives. And instead of thinking about the larger picture and valuing people because of their life... We oftentimes will jump in a ship, we'll gather our stuff, and we'll say, well, they don't deserve what I deserve, and I'm going to make sure that I secure what I need for my own self and my own well-being. They let people die simply because they were not of the same social class as they were. Dear God, what is wrong with people when they have that mentality and that mindset? We've got to be all in. The skiff represents my backup plan, my options being kept open. It is the things that we hold on to when we haven't fully committed to the promise of Christ. God said he would get me through, but I'm going to work on this little angle over here to the side to make sure I've got something in place in case God doesn't come through. I'm keeping my skiff secured to this vessel. Yes, I know, Lord, that you said you would supply my needs, but I still think I'm going to hold on to my tithe money just in case. I'm holding on to my skiff. Yes, I know, Lord, you said you placed me in this church, but I still think I ought to check out some other places just in case it doesn't quite work out there. I'm going to keep my options open. I'm going to work a backup plan. Yes, Lord, I know you said, but I think 
Yes, I know you said, Lord, but I think. And that's where we start to go wrong right there. We have to be all in to God's promise, to God's word, and what God is directing in our lives. God didn't send you here for just a few months so that you could jump ship and go somewhere else for a few months. God sent you here to blossom, to be planted, and to be fruitful in this house and for this community. Amen. Amen. God will take care of every detail if you will trust him. Yes, Lord, you said you would save us if we stayed on the ship. But here's a skiff, and I think I'll just go ahead and save myself. Verse 32 says, Then the soldiers, when they realized what was going on, the centurion stepped in on the scene. It says, verse 32, that the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and they let it fall off. So here's what I'm saying to you today is that you have to be all in. If you're going to trust God, you've got to be all in. If you're going to walk by faith, you've got to be all in. If you're going to be committed to your calling, you have to be all in. I've had everybody in the world tell me from the time that God called me to the time I'm standing here today, and they still tell me, you need to have a backup plan. What if this doesn't work out for you? What if God doesn't really want to use you like you think he wants to use you? Look, I didn't come this far to jump ship now. I'm all into this thing. I don't need a backup plan. My backup plan is God, and my backup plan is his provision and his direction, and he will anoint, and he will give me the authority. He will do what he needs to do to make sure I'm able to do what he's called me to. Amen. We let too many people talk us out of what God's promised us and what God's spoken in our lives, and we need to commit to that word. Your marriage, you need to be all in. Amen. Well, I'm going to keep this farmersonly.com side available in case. No, no. All in. All in. You need to be committed to your church. You need to be all in. Amen. You'll have plenty of chances to jump ship. But I'm challenging today to cut away the skiff and stick with the ship. Stick with the ship. You've invested too much to quit. You've cried too much to stop now. Be all in. God is looking for some people in this season of the world to be all in and committed to his church. He's looking for a remnant of people who will be faithful to him to the end, people that will be all in. Let's be those people. Verses 33 through 43, I'm not going to read that to you just for time's sake, but Paul says to the crew, look, okay, you know, this is just about over. We're coming to the end of this situation. The sun's getting ready to pop through those clouds finally, and we're going to be on land. Now he says, I want you to eat. You've been fasting now. It's time to eat and regain your strength. So they, the soldiers and everybody on the crew, they eat. When the sun comes up, they see a place to run the ship onto the beach, and so they do that. They run it aground, and the ship is getting broke up by the waves, and so they all jump ship, and they all swim for shore. But they did it together. They did it as a community, and they did it at the word of the Lord. Amen. Verse 44 says this, And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. When we do what God tells us, God will secure us. When we follow God's plan precisely, God will make sure that it is executed fully. Amen. He did exactly what he said. And I'm just saying to you this morning, if you will stick with the plan, he will get you to the promised land. He said he would get them to land, and they stuck to the plan. He got them to the land. They made it to land. They made it to land. So surely, surely now, God, we have been tossed around the Mediterranean 
We have been bounced all over the sea. And surely now that we have made it to land, this ordeal is over. Let's read on. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 28. Now when they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Verse 3, But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. Good Lord. How much can a person take? I know this has to be what Paul is thinking in his head. As Paul, as if Paul has not already been through enough, now he's finally made it to land, he's trying to get a fire going or keep it going, and he gets bit by a big old snake, a poisonous snake. And I was, I was just reading that and just studying it and just praying over the scripture. I was just thinking about that viper, and I just believe that the viper is just another reminder of the trouble. It represents the poison of bitterness because of the storm. Just because, listen to me this morning, just because the storm is over doesn't mean the effects of the storm are fully dealt with. There is always a choice to be made after every storm that we face. We can be bitter or we can be better. We can say to ourselves, in our minds, to other people, we didn't deserve this, we, it was unfair, it was unjust, it wasn't right, God should have never allowed me to go through it, and we can say all of those things. And there may be some truth to some of that. You may have not actually caused any of this to come upon you. Paul certainly didn't. He's telling them, look, let's don't sell. And they go ahead and sell. This wasn't Paul's deal. But Paul was in the boat just like everybody else. And he suffered from the effects of this. And that's maybe true that you didn't deserve it or it was unfair or it was not right. But the, but, but the fact is you're still having to deal with the residual effects of the storm that you've just went through. The viper comes in many forms. It comes in the form of mourning over the losses that we've incurred. It comes in the form of the feelings of injustice that we suffer. It comes in the form of people pointing out your mistakes and how you could have handled it better. How many people do you think went to the helmsman and said, you should have listened to Paul. You should not have sailed. We could have avoided this. We could have not gone through this, but you didn't listen. And there's always vipers that are always pointing out your mistakes and your failures. And if there's not from the outside pointing at you, then you're going to conjure them up within yourself. I wish I had made that decision. I wish I hadn't done it that way. I wish I had made better choices. I, I feel guilty because I did this or because I did that. And it's that poison that is working in you because of the storm that you have just faced. But here's what I want you to know. Is regardless of what form the viper takes, you can be sure that it is always going to bite after the storm. Verse 3 says, But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened to his hand. After the storm, you're always going to find some things trying to hold on to you. Trying to fasten themselves to you. And so my question for you this morning is, what is holding on to you? Is it bitterness? Is it unforgiveness? Is it anger? 
Is it resentment? Is it losses that you are mourning over? What is it that's holding on to you? I went through a storm, Pastor, 15 years ago, and I have not been the same yet. That's because a viper has attached itself to you, and the poison from that experience is coursing through your veins. And the only thing that you can do is let God take over that situation. Let that stuff go and move on in your life. There are many of you here today that God has called you, God has anointed you, God has equipped you to be administrators and to be overseers of ministry, but you will not submit to that because you are afraid of the hurts to reoccur that occurred to you 15 years ago. And I'm saying to you, you've got to shake that stuff off, you've got to let it go, and you've got to let God begin to do healing in your life because the residual effects of that storm are holding on to you this morning. Amen. You see, because here's the deal. Just because the storm is over doesn't mean you simply just move on. Life has changed and you're going to deal with the feelings associated with that life change. It's not as simple as just moving on after the storm. Something has a hold of you. You can be sure of that. You will, listen to me, you will get bit. I can't begin to tell, I wish I could peel back the flesh layer so you could see spiritually the bite marks that are all over my body because I got plenty of them. We've been bit multiple times over and over and over again but that has not changed the fact that God has called me. That has not changed the fact that God has a mission for me to do and I'm not going to surrender that just because I've been bitten along the way. You're going to, if you do ministry, if you serve in a church, if you get involved in a church, you will get bit. It's unavoidable. Well, Pastor, why would anybody ever want to get involved in the church? Because I'm telling you, the conditions outside of the church are far worse than the conditions inside the church. You don't want to be outside the ship. I would rather be in a ship that's breaking apart than out there on the waves by myself. You're going to get bit from time to time, but what you do about the bite is what makes the difference. Let's look at verse 5. But Paul, but he, Paul, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Yes, you can avoid getting bit, but you can't avoid being harmed by the bite. Yes, you've been through the storm. And yes, you may have a right to feel like you feel. I'm not minimizing the fact that many of you have found yourself in a situation that was not of your making. You may have found, had some friends try and bail on you when you needed them most. You may have lost some stuff that you will never get back. But you're going, you are not going to let the viper sink his fangs into you and fill you with poison over and over again. You're going to shake that off this morning. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Yes, you're going to get bit, but shake it off. You're going to have difficulty, but you've got to shake that stuff off. You've got to let God pr provide his antivenom, if you will, and cure that situation. Pastor, I've had some people not treat me right. I know. Shake it off. You ain't telling me nothing. I mean, we would be better served to find out who hasn't had people treat them wrong. That would be a lot quicker assessment in the crowd. Because the fact is, everybody in the rooms had someone treat them wrong. Everybody in the rooms had someone not do them right. Everyone in the rooms had someone make a promise to them and not, not keep that promise. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to hold on to that junk or are you going to shake it off? Pastor, I've had some things not go as planned. Welcome to the club. 
We've all had some things that I planned or you've planned and they haven't gone the way we planned them. But so what? Shake it off. God's got a plan and God's going to ultimately work His sovereignty in the situation and make it work out for your good. Pastor, I'm trying to do what God's asking me to do and I have faced nothing but difficulty. Welcome to the church. Welcome to ministry. Welcome to the challenge of facing an enemy who who desires to destroy you at every turn. But it's worth it all. It's worth it all. Seeing somebody's life changed is worth the difficulty that I've incurred. Seeing some little kid know more about Jesus Christ is worth the difficulty that I incur along the way. Why do you think Jesus said count the cost? Because he knew there was cost involved. I have to deal with a viper, but I don't have to live with it. I don't have to let it hang on me a second more when I notice it strike. It's time to shake it off. Some of you in this this room this morning are letting things hold on to you. You're letting some unforgiveness. You're letting bitterness. You're letting anger. You're letting a a, a sense of injustice hang on to you. I'm telling you this morning, you've got to shake it off. You've got to shake it off. God is bringing His churches together in these last days to win people to God. And it's going to take all hands on deck to make sure it happens. Verse, Verse 6. However, they, the natives, were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. Thanks for the vote of confidence. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said, He is a God. (laughs) They were expecting, y'all just stay with me here for just a few minutes. I'm going to bring it to a close. They were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. Listen, people are watching how you're handling the situations that you're facing in your life. They're watching how you're handling the storms that you're going through. They are seeing if the faith you profess is actually the faith you possess. Well, I can talk a good talk, but can I live it? And that's what people want to see. They don't care what you have to say. They want to see how you live. And they want to see if the faith you profess with your mouth is the very faith that you possess in your life. They are expecting you not to overcome. They are expecting you to fall under the pressure of the storm. They are expecting you to swell up and die. But verse 6 goes on to say, but after they look for a long time, and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. And they said he was a god. The natives are watching this whole situation unfold. They're watching how these men have just come through a terrible storm, and now they've gotten on, on, on land, and here their leader, Paul, is just getting hammered by a snake. And we're watching to see what this, what this looks like, what this plays out to be. They're watching. They're aware of the storm. They're aware of the opportunity you have to let the poison of your experience take hold and ultimately destroy you. They want to see and they're going to watch for a long time to see how you're going to react and overcome the situations that you're facing or if the situations are going to overcome you. They are watching. They're watching your reactions. They're watching what you say. They're trying to see how your words line up with how you live. They want to see if you're for real or not. They want to see if you're going to stay the course and if you'll eventually change their minds about the God you proclaim in your life. So it's our job to make them stop and take notice of the God you profess to follow. Verse 6 says they changed their minds and said he was God. I know Paul well enough to know that when they were confused about him being a God, he quickly pointed them to the true God in the situation. 
he quickly helped them to understand that what they saw before them was not a God, but a God at work in the life of Paul. So could this be that this is what the storm is even about? That all of this struggle, all of these challenges, could it be that this was really more about the natives of Malta seeing a demonstration of God's power and coming to know the God Paul served all along? Could it be that the storm that we face not only makes us stronger, but it also makes a purpose of bringing people who are lost into a place of accessibility? They were off course according to their thinking, but they were on course according to God's. God said, I got some natives over in Malta that are lost. And I need a man like Paul to go over there and teach them about Jesus Christ. And so here's my last point this morning, is that the natives need you. The natives need you. The storm is not just about you but it's about the people that are on the sidelines and they're watching how you're going to react to the situation. You've gone through some storms. You've faced some difficulties along the way. But all the time there have been people watching to see how you're going to deal with it. They have watched a long time and you are given an opportunity to share with them the God they see at work in your life. The natives need you. They need you. Amber, would you come? I believe this more than anything, that this, this word through this series has been for us in this season, that God has placed us here at the river to reach the natives of this area, to reach those that are out on the sidelines, that have been hearing the things we profess, and they've been watching how we weather storms, They've been watching your individual life to see how you're going to react to situations that don't go as planned. They're, going to, they're watching how you, how you deal with accusations and challenges by people and all of this stuff. They're watching. They've been watching a long time. And now they're ready to hear what God is doing and what God is saying because the God that we profess has been working in our lives all along and we've changed their minds about what they've seen. Instead of expecting us to swell up and die and quit and walk away, now they're looking for the God that lives and dwells in each of us. God has allowed us to weather some storms to showcase His grace and His mercy in our lives. We've had to decide as a church and as individuals that we're all in. We've had to shake some things off. Many of us have done that. Many of us are in the process of doing that. But at the end of the day, we are here now in this time to let the natives know about the King of glory. Because it's our stories, church, that change their minds. It's our stories that change their minds. It's the God in us that draws them out of darkness and gives them a chance to be in His kingdom. The storms I've gone through have made me better, but they've also made the lost people accessible. They've seen how we weathered them. They've seen how we've dealt with them. They've seen that we had not lost our joy in the process. And they want some of what we have to offer. Would you stand across this place this morning? The natives need us. 
I believe Burt Burnett needs this church. I said Burt Burnett needs this church. This region needs this church. God has placed us here strategically to make an impact on this area. And here's what I'm going to do is just as we close out this, this message and this altar call and this service, I'm just going to ask if you believe that and you're going to be a part of that, I'm just going to ask you to come into the altars for just a few moments and we're just going to pray together as a community of believers. Would you come? If you believe God has placed us here strategically and God's going to use us to impact this area, I want you to come. You're a part of this. You're a part of this. You're a part of this crew. You're a part of this church. You're a part of this mission that God has for us right now, right here. So what I want you to do is I want you to ask God how you fit into the, into the bigger scene. Ask God to, to reveal to you your place and your part and where you can serve. Father, thank you for every person that's made this commitment. These, these people that are coming together in one mind and one accord, that, Lord, are binding their hearts together in this situation and believing that, Lord, we are not just here by chance. We are not just another church, but we are a church that is empowered by the Spirit of God to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all that we could ever think or imagine. Lord, we are different. We are unique. And we have been called by you to do something that impacts not only Burt Burnett, but this entire region. God, we're not going to give up on that. We're committed to it. We're all in. Lord, and we're not going to let bitterness or difficulty along the way poison us to the point that we, we forfeit that mission. So, Father, if there's anybody here in this place that needs to shake off some stuff, today, Lord, by faith, we just shake it off into the fire. That fire of the Holy Spirit, we ask that it would consume that poison, that it would consume that enemy, Lord, that it would consume all of those things and that it would heal us completely and wholly before your presence. Do you need to shake some things off today? Do you need to forgive somebody? Do you need to let some bitterness go? Do you need to let some, some changes in your life go and embrace what God is trying to do for you now? And shake it off. Shake it off. Let God work in this situation. God, I don't want to carry this poison around in me anymore. I want to give it over to you. I want to trust you with it. I want to trust you with it. Help us, Lord Jesus, to reach those that are lost. Help us, God, to go out and bring them in. Lord, to share our stories, to change their minds, and to bring them into a relationship with you. Father, I thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tomorrow we are starting our fast again. I am asking you as your pastor to join in with us in this process. God said to us that if we would be faithful through this process, that he would release a blessing on this church. And that blessing is going to come not directly to this church, but it is going to come indirectly through each of you. And it will flow into this church, so you'll be blessed in the process. And so I'm asking you to do two things. Listen to Christian music for the next 21 days. Make sure you're not putting anything in your mind that is counter to God's word. The second thing I'm asking you to do is to go without eating at some level. Miss a meal. Miss a whole day if you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. But you have to crucify your flesh in the process. There's, there's not a baser need in your life than food. And your flesh thrives on that. And so if you want to crucify that flesh, this is the best way to do it. You command that flesh to line up. It's going to throw a fit when you try to go without eating. Trust me. If anybody knows that, it's me. 
but you can do it. You can do it. And God will bless you for your efforts. Amen? Amen. Tonight, 5 o'clock, we're going to have a great time together, fellowship. Everybody come. We would love for you to be here. God bless you. Hug somebody's neck. Love them. Oh, 21 days. Over the next 21 days, I'm doing this on version. 21 days of victorious living. And so if you want to put that on your phone, we'll get you some handouts and stuff uh, by Wednesday for that. 21 days of victorious living. God bless you. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burgrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us after Come to the